G'day, dear listeners. We are again going on the Tanakh Tour 2016 this November, and we want you to come with us, don't we, Jason? We do. We want you to put your deposit down for a seat now, and you can experience Torah Pearls, this show, for nearly two weeks. It's going to be amazing, isn't it, Tovia? You know, when we're on the tour, we're actually going to be studying Scripture and walking through Scripture. So not just are we going to be going through the weekly portion together as we had gone through the entire cycle and discuss so many fascinating topics, but imagine not just studying Isaiah, but imagine walking in the palaces that Isaiah walked in. We'll be doing that in the City of David. We'll be doing that. We're, we're not just City of David. We're going to be going far north. We're going to be going down south. We're going to be spending some very special time in Jerusalem. We want you to come with us. Places are filling up, but you can Go to truth2u.org, click on Tanakh Tour of Israel 2016 on the top menu there. That'll take you to the, the link where you can secure your place on the bus with us this November. That's important because whenever I'm not in the north or south or east, I'm usually in the west. Okay, that didn't work. I just came out be around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number two letter you.org it's season two of torah pearls i'm jono and joining me in the virtual truth to you studio all the way from island is jason of spiritual babies.net g'day mate i just realized this is totally the wrong time to put a chocolate in my mouth and joining <laughs> us in indonesia is the author of let's get biblical Hey. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah? Volumes 1 and 2, you can get a copy from his website, outreachjudaism.org. That's outreachjudaism.org. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobia Singer. Thank you. Great to be But I want to know, why when you say Ireland, you go, Ireland. When you say I Indonesia, love the way, well, because... It's like, no, no, no. Ireland. But Ireland. Not to be... To, <laughs> It's like, you know, like I'm in somewhere in Amsterdam in some coffee shop. They, you know, it's like, my name is Ireland and it's Jason's spiritual babies. He's a baby spiritual baby. I think the question, like, the question is, not that, the, the, what I want to know is why is, and I bet you anything, Jason will know the answer to this, why is Ireland, as in Australia, for example, is an island, why is it spelled I-S-L-A-N-D? Some Nazi did that, I'll tell you. <laughs> and like, who put a K in the front of no? I had enough trouble spelling <laughs> as a kid. Couldn't we just keep it phonetic? Really? Do we nearly have silent letters? For now on, I'm not, let's do this. Let's boycott any any word that has a silent letter in it. That's it. Just done. done. Uh, All right. Uh, if a silent letter, if a silent letter <laughs> word comes up just in this Torah portion, I'm not even. We're not going to change it unless we actually protest. And I feel that <laughs> our show, we can get all these stupid words like knowledge. Like, stop it. Like, <laughs> it was hard enough just learning about subjects and predicates and passive participles. We don't need silent letters. That wasn't necessary. <laughs> wasn't necessary. Would, would you actually like to know why it's called Ireland? <laughs> yeah, Please. Greek gnosis I, I don't forget it i'm just saying we're not greeks here so yes there is an antecedent but we're 
past that. Like, we're not running around, and Zeus is not sleeping around without the President of the United States. So, therefore, his mother. So, therefore, we're past that. We don't have to take and do everything the Greeks did. So, that's just my point here. And in fact, there's a prohibition of don't go in the way of the nations, including Greece. So, therefore, we should say, no, we're not going to do that's it. Right. So, you say that silent letters are of the devil. Jason. All right. So, an island in, in the form of a landmass with loads of water around it is ISL. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with Ireland being called Ireland. The uh, Gaelic, the Irish for this country, is Air, E I R E. And the Brits called it Airland. And then the E got dropped from the beginning. So it turned into I R E L A N D. So it was, it's Air to people that are here that speak Irish, still called Ireland Air. And if you send a letter to Ireland, it'll get here if you put air on the bottom. So E I R E. That's the name of this country. But they anglicized it into Ireland and then it dropped the E and it turned into Ireland. So Ireland yeah, and, so and I, Ireland I, I, are totally different things. Totally different things. I, I think we should devote the rest of the show to this. And I would like to repeat <laughs> you to repeat that over, but slower. There's actually a language called Irish that's not English. I mean, it's yeah, Gaelic. It's, is that what? Yeah, it's, it's, Gaelic. It's, yeah. it's, it's Gaelic. Gaelic. Yeah. All right. Uh, Scotland has its own one. Long. Wales has its own one, and then um, France has its own um, Gaul. Gaul and Gael, similar things. All right. Right. Yeah. I love the Europeans. So, it just. All right, so let's move on. <laughs> Akari is where we are. Leviticus chapter 16, and it is the Day of the uh, of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Day of, we've spoken about this before, coined by William Tyndale, Day of at one being at one with God. It begins like this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons. Now we're back into this story again. Uh, the two sons of Aaron. Uh, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, stop. tell Aaron, so, your uh, brother. So we have to stop right there. There it is. That's it. So that's the end of the show, my friends. Anyways, we'll see you next <laughs> week. No, actually, so you're right, quite correct. This we, we are told more information here than we had found earlier on in Chapter 10 about precisely what none of you had done. But I don't want to go there because, in fact, if one does not apprehend the full uh, the full weight and measure and meaning of this uh, opening passage, then you'll not understand anything that's about to happen. This is critical. That means why were the sons of Aaron's death, when they came close to God, which is also very strange, why is that relevant to Yom Kippur? Because, in fact, what we're going to be introduced to is a whole series of rituals related to Yom Kippur. And strangely, when most people think of Yom Kippur, we think of what? Forgiveness of sin. As you'll mm-hmm. notice, we're not going to even be talking about forgiveness of sin until much later on in this chapter. Now, if I were writing the book, I'd put, well, this is about getting your sins forgiven right in the beginning. It isn't. So this is the opening, and this is very odd, but in fact, it tells us a lot. Because what way the young keeper um, ceremony, the events that unfolded on the on the 10th day of the seventh month, this Sabbath of Sabbaths is very crucial, very critical that things are done properly. You know, I'm going to show you now, I'm going to tie together other pieces that we had said earlier, that we had discussed in our earlier shows, because actually all these ideas that uh, are infused in 
uh, in uh, Torah pearls, all these things actually you'll see flow right through. We talked about the fact that God created a world based on natural laws, laws of physics and thermodynamics and so on, that we live in, but we created a house for God that are based on a completely different set of laws. It's God's laws, and we don't have this. We are not aware of them. You know, like, you ever go to the dentist and you have to have your teeth x-rayed, you know? I always get nervous when they put this big... Um, like a lead shield on my chest and then the nurse puts on a crash helmet jump flies out the door slams the door shut and i'm going wait you didn't cover my head and my feet like what if this is so i'm either asking two questions when i'm getting this done i'm asking you know she's taking pictures of my teeth i first want to know if she does bar mitzvahs that's number one and number two is i wonder like what are you running out the door for like all right so as it turns out we we know that she's running out the door because there's a, a level of radiation that's released in taking this picture of my teeth. I could ha- be, have limited exposure to it, but she's doing this all day, okay? All day. But the point, here's the critical point. If you've ever been in an MRI machine, okay, and I have, and Jason has, I'm kidding, I have, you don't feel anything. That means you don't, when the x-ray goes off, you don't feel why, because our senses, our ears, eyes, nose, the way we encounter, just has no receptor for this radiation. In the long term, people, God forbid, will die of it, and that's why you need the big warning on it. And as we have said in the past, you know, when you buy a big steak knife, there isn't a sign, do not stab yourself in the eye. It's very self. (laughs) You buy a meat cleaver, it doesn't say, do not chop your head in half can be fatal (laughs) now but if if you get you know if you get like some sort of pill you know let's say an antibiotic or some god Mm. knows whatever there's 15 labels don't eat before you eat after you eat Mm. while you're taking drinking alcohol after alcohol after you got to a fight with your sister-in-law whatever it is they got 15 (laughs) warnings why why do they need 55 warnings the reason is is that it's just a stupid white pill that has no taste no flavor it's not self-evident at all. So the very important is that Hashem's house and all. The, see, this is every. This is everything. Every once you get this, then everything will fall into place. What is happening in God's sanctuary and the way we are to properly come into contact with God? How, and this is going to go back. We're going to do something really intense now. Remember. I said I said that the great the most exquisite iconic dream in Genesis is the ladder where heaven and he- earth are touching. It has to touch in the right way. Heaven and earth can't just man cannot just touch in any way because we are operating in a sphere of whatever it is radiation and if it's not done properly there's great danger. There's great danger. Now, yeah. one other point about this. And that is, our sages tell us, Rashi brings us down, very important thing. The other reason why this is introduced here now, because we have, as you said, John, quite correctly, we've already discussed the tragic death of Aaron, Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Aviyu. So why is it, so it's repeated here to tell you, you have to do this properly, but we already have that. Well, 
Our sages tell us, give us a mushal, a parable. Uh, you have two doctors, a person who is ill who goes to two doctors. One doctor says that, look, don't eat certain foods. Don't be in a damp place. Don't be in a place that's cold, okay? And he tells that to the patient, and that's it. Then you, the person goes to a second doctor and says, if you go into a damp place, if you are in a place that's cold, you'll die. And not only will you die, you know that guy, Henry who McFarlane, who lives down the street? He died exactly of that. He had your condition. He, he did ignore this warning, and he's dead. And he died and left over three children, or he died without children. Which doctor would you take? Which warning is the patient more likely? The one that, uh, the one that gives Yeah, the one who's saying that, look, here, here's an example of people who died. This is not like, you know, sometimes, I, you know, some drug companies, they put warnings where in reality, the chances of it, if you really drink alcohol with I don't know, Ambien, it really won't mean okay, but they want to protect themselves, so they put it on there. But here, the Torah is saying, this is very important, is it's like a physician who says, not only will this will kill you if it's not done right, and I'm going to show you how to do it right, but here's an example of two people, and that's why, who really bef- appeared before Hashem, none of them were not wicked people. They were actually uh, regarded as very holy people. And if you notice, incidentally, this is a great tragedy. Look at the verse carefully. Uh, if you, I, I'm just in Hebrew. God said to Moses, After the death of the two sons of Aaron, Bekarvason lifnei Hashem, when they approached and came close, Karbon, they appro- came close to God, Vayamusu, and they died. Now, the obvious question is, we have an extra word here. We already told us they died. What do you see, Vayamusu? As it turns out, these were young kids. These, these two sons were like 20 and 21. They didn't even have children. So there was a double death here. They died and they died childless. So it was a really very big tragedy here. So therefore, what we're being told in the beginning is to be very careful about the temple because what we are about to encounter is a number of things, and now we can we'll be able to move through it, but things will make more sense. This is the opening passage because number one, if I give you an example of someone who died, and they really they weren't like raping anybody, they died trying to come close to God, but they just went close to God in their own way, not in the way that has been prescribed, because we are not operating on the laws of thermodynamics. We're operating on a system of laws, spiritual laws that that is not part of our world. It's part of God's world because we mm. built a house for Him. See, it all connects together magnificently. So. What we're now about to encounter is, first of all, there has to be sin offerings that are going to be brought. We're going to talk about, but I need to just, so people don't get all fablungent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, during the year, people made mistakes, particularly the priests. We're told in the Bible that the priests were given a mandate 
for, to uh, be responsible for the purity and the spiritual sanctity of the temple. They're responsible. They bear, literally in Numbers 18, the priests bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. It means they're responsible to make sure the people, but as it turns out, we deal with millions of people who visit the temple during the course of an entire year. People get through. Not everything is perfect. So the, But these are not intentional sins. Right, the priests, mm-hmm. but the priests, as it turns out, Yom Kippur is a time that is propitious for a, repentance and atonement. It does not mean one cannot atone or have their sins forgiven any other time of the year. But this is a time where the heavens are open. If a person is in the right place and they repent and they take the day seriously, I remember years ago. I'm not going to say his name because it's lush and her. But there's a big, big famous singer. You know, who went, I mean, a very, very big rocks, you know, big popular singer, pop singer, and he's Jewish. And he actually, um, he did a concert in Berlin on Yom Kippur. <laughs> Never forget this. It goes back like 20 years ago. And it was an uproar because he was, he's a Jew, known Jew. He's a fabulous voice, you know, I mean, great, you know, singer. And he did a concert on Ber- in Berlin on YouTube because he's completely not religious, completely not observant. Mm-hmm. You know, and he really got, you know. Now, obviously, if to him, Young Kipper's not, he didn't even, I imagine, even think about it. That the Kipper's not going to help him at all. You know, Kipper's, you have to think about it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what we're going to find first, so we don't have confusion, it's more important to understand the. The, the um the guiding principles here. So Kohanim first of all have to bring a carbon chatos. We're gonna see that here in the beginning a lot. The chatos is that in fact invariably a person could have been more uh, careful, more stride, more cautious to ensure that the, the, the sanctuary remains sterile. So therefore, a, all the priests, and on behalf of the priest family, they had to, they brought a carbon chatos at this time, which is a time propitious for, for things. But, and then we're going to encounter how you're properly to bring an a in a to enter God's presence to go before God. We're going to encounter mm. that. And again, this is a warning because hey, not of an they died doing this the wrong way. So that's what's mm. very critical. And then we're going to come into contact with stage three in this in this chapter just to repay you. And then once we go, we can like fly right through it. Is a certain kind of offering for sins committed uh, uh, against the sanctuary. And then, once we're done with that, then we go on to uh, atonement for Mm. all kinds of sins that are forever and makes no difference whether it's a temple or not a temple. So that's what we're about to encounter. But without this verse 1, 16 verse 1, we're lost. Now we understand why the deaths of uh, of Nadavavio are introduced here. And so it goes on to say in verse 2 that the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come uh, at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the... Now I've got here in the New King James, Toby, I've got the mercy seat. We've spoken about that before. Uh, it says the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die for I will appear in the clouds above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy tunic 
linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body and he shall gird uh, girded with a, a linen sash and with a linen turban he shall be attired in these holy garments. So just a few. We're actually seeing the word Kippur coming up a lot here a lot there in the is, Hebrew. Yeah. I, I, I got to make sure you know this, my holy, delicious friends. The Hakaporis. He's coming for the Hakaporis. It's the exact same word as Kippur. Kippur here means covering. There mm. is a Sinai encounter here. We're going to see what's going to happen. On As it turns out, just like on Mount Sinai, a person could not, and not anyone could ascend to the top of the mountain. They would die mm. from doing something like that. And in fact, mm. God's cloud came down. Now, what's going to happen is, from Earth, the ladder, there's going to be a way to encounter that cloud. And then as we, uh, that means the Kohen Gadol is going to produce his own cloud, and the two clouds are going to touch each other. And that's what we're talking about, the Anane HaKavod, the cloud of glory, that is the Kaporis, the covering of the, mm-hmm. of the, of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And yeah. it's the exact same. So now we really have a sense, it answers another question. Like, why are we talking about atonement right away? I mean, if you or I were God, or like God's assistant, and we, we buy, like, I, I know we, I'm using a child like um, a sophomore thing. Mm-hmm. We we like we pulling and go say, "Daddy, uh, why don't we like talk about I'm going to forgive all your sins like right away? You know, this is a good time." Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Really, see, this is very deep, deep, deep. Really, the forgiveness of sin is not the purpose of Yom Kippur. The forgiveness of sin is the outcome, is the result. Of having this touch of the kiss, mm-hmm. it's the it's that it's that fusion. It's like sometimes a couple has had a fight, had a, a husband and wife that had a, a bad moment, a bad word was said, and it takes sometimes a few minutes to get over it. But then what happens is the husband or wife walks in, just holds her husband tight, and they give a kiss. And in that kiss, it's like all that anger, pain just evaporates, recedes. Mm. That's what's really happening here. I want to teach you how to kiss. And you're going to see it's very exquisite here, very central how this one smoke, the smoke of God that hovers over, is going to mm. encounter, this is kissing God. So therefore, don't kiss me in any way. That means don't bring me some foreign fire, like don't, you know, don't do that. Even though I know you're, you're your intent to the good, it's going to get you killed because you're, this is this laws of therm- these are not the laws of thermodynamics. This is God's temple, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to teach you how to do this properly so that you will not die. In fact, you're going to see that. And the word covering here is very not covering. You know, people sophomore. I hear missionary too. Kippur means to cover. So if you have a sin, it's like let's say the dog does something and you have a dirty diaper in the room. So you put a cover over it so you don't see the mess. No, that's not what it's talking about at all. That's that's sophomoric. What it means is that the covering of God now comes into contact with that smoke, the cloud that is going to be produced by man. And those two are going to interchange only in a pure state, and only no one else can be there, just Aaron and just God, because Aaron we know is in a pure state. So let's go here, but just know, mm. this is all Kippur, this is how to do it right. Let's continue. 
And Aaron shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Jason, we got, uh, then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, uh, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Yeah, I just wanted to spend a few minutes um, on this um, scapegoat, um, Azazel. I know that a lot of questions come up around this time of year um, to do with that particular goat, the Azazel goat. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I can remember going, you know, over the last five years, I think every year um, I've found a different uh, definition of why this Azazel goat is there. And there's a lot of welter about this. Um, subject, and I thought it'd be, be worth running through um, some of some of the history of it, if you like. Um, so, first of all, the name of the goat isn't Azazel; um, it's it's goat. <laughs> um, so, um, Aaron uh, traditionally has this urn, and in the urn there are two little um, stones or tablets, and he places his hands in, and he pulls out one that says Azazel, and one that says um, for the Lord. The Azazel isn't actually a, a, like a proper name. It's a, a really old Hebrew noun, and it literally means to dismiss or remove or erase. And that is what that goat does. We've got this impression, and I can only speak for myself, but I know that there's a whole lot of other people that you know have come the same route as I have, and they probably think, as I did, that Aaron puts his hands on this goat, and all the sin kind of flows through into this goat. And now there's this like uh, sin-ridden animal um, that's going to run off. But it's really a symbolic thing. Um, he, it's the, the, this goat that goes off and lives is a symbol of the sin. Le- God, I mean, God erases that sin. It doesn't live anymore. It's gone. But it's the symbol is that this goat gets to leave. And Azazel in itself, as a word, literally means um, to erase or to um, entirely remove. Um, but the meaning of that has moved on. So there's also um, a, 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 a meaning that you can apply to that word, which, which means wilderness. And this is where it kind of gets interesting, because there was a point where you'd, you'd um, get this fit guy to take this goat into the wilderness, and he had to be fit because he literally had to take this goat so far it wouldn't be able to find its way back, because he didn't want the symbol, the sins of the people, to return back into the camp. Um, and but later on in history, there's a further development in which the landmass was, you know, where the Israel populated didn't wasn't so big. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't walk the walk the goat off so it wouldn't find its way back. There were Israelites everywhere, and at that point, there's a tradition that, um, and I think there's even a way of breaking up the letters in the Zazel which support this, that it was that the land was cut off. There was a place where the land was cut off, meaning there was a cliff. And they threw the goat over, so the goat literally couldn't come back. Um, so there's a big, long <laughs> train of information from Azazel, where it started off, to where it is today, and what we, what we um, do with that. But I think when we're reading the text, it's kind of it, it's good for us if we take out the word Azazel and, re- and place in the removal of sin. I mean, when we read... Um, Anoint. We don't read um, Mashiach, and when you know there are lots of words mm. which have been re- replaced with an English variant when we read in English. But Azazel is stuck, and um, because of that, we tend to make that a name. So when it says later on in ten, but the goat which the lot fell on for Azazel, 
we then start thinking for Azazel, what is it for the wilderness? So is it um, for the name of the goat is Azazel? I mean, that's confusing for us. But if we if we read, but for the goat on which the lot fell for the removal of sin, that can put, kind of makes it a bit more um, easy to swallow. And one other mm-hmm. thing is there's also um, quite a popular um, idea that Azazel is the name of this um, Canaanite or um, Sylvian god, this ram god, this um, goat god. Um, the Egyptians worshipped the goat and many other ancient cultures did. And that Azazel was this carryover that, that Israel came out of Egypt and they kept this idea that there's this goat wilderness god called Azazel and they sent the sins off to him. Um, but that's completely dismissed later on in this um, Torah portion because we read that you're not to give any kind of sacrifices or time to satires. And again, um, throwing, throwing back, I know I'm going on a little bit, but um, we in the West, and especially in Europe, when we think satire, we think half goat, half man. And in fact, the reason we have that perception of the devil in the West, the Christian devil being a half goat, half man, is exactly, exactly because of this word satire. And uh, we, that comes from Pan, from all these old pagan... Oh, right. Right. So these old pagan customs in Europe that there's this um, half goat, half man um, wood sprite, if you like, that skips through the forest and plays his panpipes. Mm. When the Christians came, they saw that imagery and they said, that's the devil. That's, that's, I've got it here. It says satire in my text. And that's the devil. You can't worship that. That's, that's wrong. And so suddenly the pan turns into the devil. Satire turns into, the de- into a devil. Mm-hmm. And, but satire literally means um, a, a, a goat god. Um, so that's, that kind of cuts off the idea that Azazel is a goat. Um, and just, you know, for my personal preference, when I read through this and I get to this word, rather than confuse myself that it's a title for a place or a person, I just remember that it's a, it's a word which shows that the goat symbolically carried away the sins of the people. And, that's, uh, that's fair enough. I've, I've heard a number of different explanations in regards to the word Azel. Uh, Tovio, what do you make of it? I feel like I spend my entire uh, career on Torah Pearls as a Rashi on Jason. So <laughs> that's like my job. My job is you have Jason, and then I'm Rashi on Jason to help you. <laughs> so I expect the check in the mail. Now, I'm not saying, actually, Jason is, that was brilliant. The, the, now, the reason why you have these pagan gods and they like Azazel is because you have in there a compression of two. Semitic words that are actually in almost every single, whether it's Ugaritic, you know, it's all over the place. El, God, the everyone. Az means powerful. Havul Hashem, the Elam, power. Oz means power, so they have a mighty and power in there, and therefore you would expect, anticipate, in fact you do, uh, Belzebub, I mean, you got all of these kind of demonics, but they all are, have these words with um, uh, Oz, power, El, power, and of course God's name, and that's why that's all over there, it's brilliant. Notice also that it says there that the animal that is La Zozel, it says, Yom that he's not killed. That means that the text is saying what was done later is I don't want to get into 
to prevent the animal from getting back into the thing. I want to stick with the text because that's what's mm-hmm. being conveyed here. Were there efforts made to make sure that animal never crept back because the um, because uh, this is the same problem we have today for wild animals that uh, society is encroaching on the wilderness and therefore animals don't have a, enough place room and they wind up bears come back into town because they just don't have place to to be in the forest but the key here is that it says the there will be a lot lazazel and yomadachai and he should stand alive before god to bring an atonement so mm-hmm. christians who seek to go say, no this thing was alive that brought atonement it wasn't put to death the one that was put to death we'll see in a moment had a very unique role in atonement but this one remained alive uh, i don't know how you how the king james has uh 16 verse 10 but the goat on which the lot fell uh, to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before ah, the Lord. for for an atonement thank you so mm-hmm. all right so these guys from cambridge didn't get a wrong altar. so therefore <laughs> ah so here we have something fascinating so we have that the as the this one goat now tradition i might as well bring it in and that is that uh, there's a, the Torah used a term that you should bring the two goats. From there, we always learned that these goats should be virtually identical, same size, same weight, same value, and so on, which created a little bit of a conundrum. And the conundrum was, what happens if they get confused? Again, making a picture, a priest is there, there's a box with a lot. Initially, they used to use, they used to have two, as, as Jason pointed out, there was to one said La Zazel, one said La Hashem. They used to be made out of wood in the earliest time. Eventually, in the second time, they actually had them made out of gold. Really nice. They, it was considered propitious, a good sign, if the one was La Hashem to God, all right, if it came out in the uh, the right hand, came out in the right in, in the right hand rather than the left hand. The other point would happen is is that the one the the goat that was left alive and sent into the wilderness, a red string was tied around its horn, mm-hmm. and that and and if the identifier right that no, so that had a very practical purpose. It's just like mm-hmm. when newborns uh, uh, are delivered, they right away. The, I remember when my daughters were born, they right away put on the foot a little thing to say this is this child they shouldn't have a baby switched in the thing because i know you think your baby is the best looking baby but babies look alike i'm sorry (laughs) i'm gonna get hate mail babies are not like you know they have all kinds of mustaches and everything they can be confused so (laughs) so i gotta keep everyone away so the key is they put a red thread over the also and was taken to the wilderness it would if, in fact, the nation was a, a nation that was worthy and that they were confessing their sins properly, took their the day seriously, then it actually would turn white. This is not an arbitrary event, uh, uh, this, um, custom, but actually is taken from Isaiah. Because in Isaiah chapter 1, it says that although if you, in fact, behave properly and you you and this is really for the sin of of between one man and another if you look at, at Isaiah chapter 1 God is saying you know you're doing the rituals right but you're not treating the orphan right 
if well, you're not taking care of the widow or the weakest members of society. If you do, although your sins are as red as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. So therefore, what happened was that the 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 thread would turn white if, in fact, the people, the hearts of the people, were in the correct place. And as it turns out, during the years that the high priest was called Shimon Atzadik, who was a high priest in the early part of the Second Temple period, one of the things, because he was such an influential teacher, not only a high priest, that in his in his entire um, well, in his entire career as high priest, which spanned many decades, every single time the the lot to God came up in the right hand, and number two is the string always turned white. That was key. Mm-hmm. So the the next thing that happens, of course, verse eleven, we have Aaron brings the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself. And make atonement for himself and for his house. As par hachatos. This is very important. There are, you know, you know, for different cultures, we can tell how important things are by how many different words they have for the same thing. Like Italians have like 8,000 words for spaghetti. You know, pasta, noodle, um, whatever. Because to them, spaghetti is very important. And as it turns out, Eskimos have like 500 words for snow, different soft snow, hard snow. We don't, in Indonesia, they don't, they don't, I don't even know if they have one word for snow. So, as it turns out, <laughs> it's very important to be faithful, but there are different words for sin mm-hmm. and, and sin offerings. The word that's used here is the chatos. And that is the sins that are committed unintentionally. And here mm-hmm. we do not mean um, accidentally. That's not what unintentional means. Unintentional had to be, you had to be careless. If you simply are walking on Shabbos in your kitchen and inadvertently your elbow hits the stove and the fire goes on because you just turned around just hit the switch. Okay, that is not an unintentional sin. That's just an accident. It requires intent, but it requires. But you were re- a recklessness. You you should have been more careful. This is not an accidental sin. Oynis Rachmana Patra. It's a very important principle in the Torah, which means if it's an accident, there is a person is not held held accountable if something is just a complete accident where there was just absolutely no intent at all. So that's what's going on here. And now we're going to introduce to the, we're going to introduce to the kissing part. It's really very interesting. So let's go to the next passage. I think we're up to verse twelve. So verse twelve is uh, then he shall take a, a censer of uh, full of burning coals yes. of the fire from the altar from before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil and he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the, I've got mercy seat, cover the covering that is on the testimony lest he die. Oh. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the, on the covering on the east side and before the, uh, the covering okay. he shall sprinkle so some they, of the blood they, with his they, finger seven times. There we have it. It's going to be repeated again in a moment. But here, look at the words. Don't miss out. What happens is he has a shovel in one hand with coals from the altar. Now, notice it says there he takes a incense, and he actually not any kind of incense, but as we're going to see, he takes an incense. It's called samim daka, 
I don't know how it renders it in verse 12, but Dako means that it's very finely ground incense. Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got sweet incense beaten fire. Oh, good, good. Okay, good. So, therefore, so that's very critical because if you, but notice when he walks into the Holy Holies, he has now in one hand fire, but he's got in his other hand a fistful of this incense that's not just ordinary incense, but it's the, um, it's really fine. The reason it's really fine is it's going to produce a great cloud, but he doesn't put them together outside. He goes inside, and remember, there's a cloud that hovered in over the, in the Holy of Holies. That's the presence of God. God says, I'll appear in a cloud above the, you know, and what happens is the two clouds then infuse. The cloud from God then connects with the cloud that's produced by the incense. Ah, this is just exquisite. Benosa, look, verse 13, do it for me. And you should give... Yeah, incense on the fire before the Lord and the cloud of incense may cover ah, the ah, covering. Ah, ah, what do you mean cloud? <laughs> uh, like kiss Hashem, like kiss this. Anon hakatiris. Look at the word. It literally is using the, that's the word for the word cloud. Anane hakovo, the clouds of glory. This is not, you know, a homily here. Literally, that's what's happening. So we have now the two clouds. That means God is bringing one cloud. We're producing another cloud and two clouds then encounter. In that case, when you do it properly, not by being a farm fire, not by, you see, because none of them were trying to come close to God. They were just doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Long. But mm-hmm. if you do it this way, blow your mus and you, you shall not die. Okay? Harmony. Uh, verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil and, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the, on the covering before the covering so he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness right, of the children right of there, Israel. Right there. So right there we have a big one, and this is humongous. And then I, after this, I'll, we can go quicker. But this is so big. This is humongous. Mm-hmm. So we have here a passage. It says, V'chiper al hakodesh, which means that he should make an atonement for the sanctuary. So the question is, what, an atonement, like the sanctuary, what did the sanctuary do? Like it smoked on Shabbos? Did, what did, the, did the sanctuary commit adultery? Like what did the sanctuary do wrong? And what mm. we find interesting is we have the exact same language in Ezekiel 43 and 44, that you should make an atonement for the sanctuary. Well, what did the sanctuary do? Like why is it needed? So you have to understand what this means. Because if you get this, you get the whole thing. The atonement for the sanctuary means that this is not, now we're, now you're seeing full circle. These are not atonements for driving on Shabbos. This is not a, an atonement for, for, uh, beating up your sister-in-law. This is not an atonement for robbing a bank. This is a, an atonement very specifically for sins committed against the sanctuary. That's what's happening here. And that is why, I just want to read this in Hebrew, because of what I had said earlier. Bechiper al hakodesh. Bechiper al hakodesh means tumas mikdash v'kadoshav, which means only those sins of, of defiling 
the the sanctuary and things that are holy. That's the only thing this thing atoned for. And therefore, mitumas b'nei Yisrael, from the uncleanliness of the impurity of the Jewish people. So it's talking about purity and impurity. This is not an atonement for eating pork. Okay? That's not mm. it. If you, if you if you said Lashon Hara, you were sent out of the camp to get an atonement. We talked about that. So that you would repent. It would, engage, it would get you to repent to fully... Um, understand and grasp the full weight and measure of your iniquity. Now, here's what I want to show you. Umi pish ahem. That also means sins. What is umi pish ahem, however, different than chatosam? And that is pesha is a sin that is committed intentionally. Chatos is a sin that's committed unintentionally. Or, okay, so the, it's very important here. Why? And I've heard missionaries go crazy here and go, ah, you can have an atonement through a sacrifice because this is the animal that's slaughtered even for intentional sins. And they don't get the whole thing that's going on here. Mm-hmm. In fact, this catatome, let's say, just I want to just let it out so in case anyone's confused. A person is going on Passover to go to the temple, okay? On the way, he takes a shortcut. And as he's taking a shortcut to get himself to Jerusalem, he notices um, he's walking through a cemetery. He's now defiled. He really can't be eating from the Passover lamb. He can't walk into the sanctuary, but he's going, oh, no, I can't go through this whole you know, thing with the with the red heifer and all that, which we'll get to later. I, You know, whatever reason it is, it's expensive. He intentionally, he knew it. It was intentional, and he did it anyway. And he said, all right, no one could say, I'm going to walk in. Now, the question is this. This is everything, and I really mean it this time. This time I really will make it fast after this. So in in Tanakh, we see a principle that when someone atones for sin, what do they have to do? Number one, they have to confess their sin. Number two, it says, and turn away from your iniquity, which means that if a person uh, didn't put on film or didn't feed a poor person, they're not fully atoned for until they the next day when they do put on film. The next day when they pass a hungry mouth, they really do give that person bread. Therefore, if a person sinned by even deliberately sinning, by being defiled in a place that's supposed to be spiritually sterile, how do you atone for that? You have a sacrifice brought for you where there is complete purity. That's why this can atone for sins committed uh, against the sanctuary, meaning being impure. It's not vicarious atonement. It's very direct atonement. You're now having an offering brought on your behalf by the high priest to atone for sins of bringing sacrifices when you're in a state of impurity, even if it was intentional. But that's why it works. There's nothing vicarious going on here. It is t- This is turning away from your iniquity. And I just want to make this point. So, that, so mm. far, that's what's going on. We're going to see in a moment, we get to verse 29 in a moment, because, see, you should have, you, the listener, 
and I'm going to take a survey to make sure we know that you're worthy of listening to the show. But you notice that we're not hearing, we're going to hear the words forever later when it comes to all kinds of sins, afflicting yourself, that it's forever. These atonements specifically here can only exist, that means only work, they can only apply it, during a circumstance when there's a temple. If there is no temple, you can't defile the temple. Mm. So mm. therefore, uh, I don't want to get into Hebrews now. I don't got enough time for it right now. But the key is, this is only applicable when there's a temple. It's not only because uh temple times. No. If there is no temple, you can't defile the temple. Mm. You know, it's just like uh, if, if you're a guy, you, you can't commit homosexuality if you're in a room with a thousand women. There isn't a guy for 120,000 miles. I mean, mm. it just can't be. You can't defile the temple and bring sacrifices in a temple defiled if there is no temple anywhere. That's what's critical. This can only happen, apply, if there is a temple standing, okay? That's very key here about 16. It's it's not all sins. It's sins against the sanctuary. Okay. Verse 20, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquity of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, Jason putting them on the head of the goat, and uh, shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. Yeah, Toby has done a great job of going through the different kind of uh, um, sin that's mentioned in this passage and, and what how that inflects on the, on the sinner, if you like. Um, I just wanted to tie together two things. I have a kind of um, um, a rewrite of this, but also a question that came up on Facebook. Like, if anyone's watching this and they're on Facebook, or if they're not on Facebook, um, Facebook isn't just a place where people post pictures of their lunch and complain about sports. There's a really um, enthusiastic and diverse um, culture and uh, community of people that use Facebook to study and Torah and Tanakh and ask mm. these questions and with with a huge array of of um, scholars and teachers and, and rabbis who um, give their time. So if you're not on Facebook, then get on, find us on Facebook mm. and get involved because um, this this program we do once a week, but Facebook is on twenty four seven day and night. So I really mm. you know get get on there and get get active. So one person um, posted this week and they asked they asked what is wickedness. Which is a really great question. Um, so um, to my understanding, wickedness is iniquity. And it's interesting because iniquity comes up in this passage. So what I wanted to do was read over again 21 and replace some of the more um, the c- commonly used words, which we don't really always define with what, mm-hmm. def- what, with what their definitions are, and then give a little example at the end. So 21. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him the iniquities. Um, iniquities is better translated as crookedness. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Right. So I live next to a, a, a really old, I live in a really old part of Dublin. It's one of the first places that was inhabited and it goes right back to kind of Viking times. I live next to a street that's called Chamber Street, but it used to be called Crooked Shaft Street, which meant that it wasn't a completely straight road. You couldn't see one end of the road from the other one because of uh-huh. the bend in the road. And um, I think if we remember that kind of image of a crooked stick for iniquity, then that's going to come back and pay dividends at the end. And all of their transgressions. Uh, transgressions. And for transgressions, I think a better 
alternate word there is rebellion, that you know what the right thing to do is, but you've gone with the other option. So, so far, he's confessed over the head of this animal, the crookedness and the rebellion of the people, even all their sins. And this is another interesting point. We often hear that there's no sacrifice in the text for intentional sin, but we have one right here. Um, but that does, <laughs> if there's any kind of, um, uh, if there's anyone listening that's waiting for an opportunity to use something that we've said to promote um, a New Testament idea of, a, of a, a sin sacrifice on the cross that, that gets rid of all sin, we'll see later on why that doesn't work for this instance. Um, okay. um, and he shall put them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away um, by the hand of an appointed man. So um, sin is a deviation from the right path, whether you choose to do it or not. Right. So if you've made a mistake, and the Torah says, if you make a mistake and then you find out later on that that was a mistake and that that was a sin and you didn't know, you're not accountable for it, you can go and make, um, make your atonement for that and you're not held accountable. And in Ezekiel 18, which I often go back to, if you know you've made a mistake and you feel bad about it, you can approach your creator and repent and he'll forgive you. If you trust him to do that, and I think that's probably the hardest part for a lot of people. So transgressions is rebellion. Iniquities um, is another word for wickedness or um, crookedness. And what, mm-hmm. what, what this really fired off to me as I read this through is there's a great, um, that great piece of scripture that says the ways of the creator are straight. The ways of the Lord are straight. So if you and that's that's the way I look at it. The Torah is a runway, mm. and I love the way the Torah scroll opens out. Right, so you've got this Torah scroll, and you unroll it, and you've got these two buffers. You ever go bowling, and you see that sometimes the lanes for for kids or people that are terrible at bowling have these inflatable pillows down the side that make sure the ball right. can't go down the down the side you, of the lanes. You mean they have lanes that don't have those? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I look at the Torah, and when it's unrolled, I see that. I see these two buffers on the sides that keep your eyes directed on the text. And when I Mm -hmm. read that that text there, the ways of the Lord are straight, um, that's the way I like to see the Torah, that there there are buffers on the side that direct you in the way you are to go. Um, And it's interesting then that these other words are anything except straight. They're, They're crooked, and they're rebelling against the boundaries, and they're choosing which direction they want to go in, anything except the straight. It's just, you know, mm. I know that um, my first couple of times through these passages, I was bringing what I thought wickedness was, um, evilness, if you like, against your hum- another human being, which is fair. But I think when we're reading uh, the passage, it's quite important that we, we read it in the way it was intended. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that was it. I, I, I want to just italicize. First of all, one point. No one can use verse 21 as in any way to support Christology because this is not the animal that was killed. This is the one that's sent alive. And again, we have the word Rosh Hasoyer Hachai. This is the living animal. The one that dies is the one that's dying for the sins of uh, uh, that are committed against the sanctuary. This animal is sent back into the wilderness from whence it came. Number one. Hmm. So don't don't let anybody in uh, at the head of the Ku Klux Klan or Jews for Jesus tell you differently. <laughs> 
Do they have Ku Klux Klan in Australia? I don't know. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I have not. They, have, they don't know. The second thing is I want to just italicize something really delicious. This is very, very special. I don't know if, if Jono can handle it. So actually, those who make straight the right, that is the servant of God. And it's very interesting that if you look when in, in Isaiah 44, where the mm. servant is is referred to over and over again, 44 verse 4, and then uh, 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 44 verse 1, and then there the servant is Israel, and again in 21. But look at mm. verse 2 of Isaiah 44, and look at how God calls the servant what he calls. It says, thus says, thus says the Lord who made you. I said, informed you, give me Betan from the womb, from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, is, O Jacob, my servant. Yeshurun. What is mm, Yeshurun? Bochartivo. What does Yashur mean? It means straight ones. That's the word Yashur. Those who are straight, not crooked. That's actually, that is the ascription of those who are the faithful servant. There, Yeshurun is a name, Yeshurun, Bocharti by whom I have chosen. I chose you because you chose to be straight rather than crooked. And of course, this is a very language, I'm not going to go into it, but um, actually, uh, of God rest his soul, uh, uh, Dr. King, uh, the civil rights leader, borrowed in his dream speech, which I have Mm. in my MP3 player whenever I need a good cry. I sometimes look, because I think it's one of the greatest. Oh, it's awesome. It's one of those, you know... You can like listen to it a hundred times, and it's just yeah. actually. So he's using Isaiah constantly, and he's using these the term Isaiah is going to use again this refrain of making the crooked way straight. That mm-hmm. appears in the in his dream speech that was um, that was spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people in America's capital during the mm-hmm. struggle for civil civil rights. Uh, civil rights for uh, for uh, African Americans, but he's borrowing all these texts, and it's all about making the valleys, the hills flat, straight, making the crooked mm-hmm. places straight. And that is the servant, the servant of God. Those are called Yeshurin. And because you Yeshurin, that's literally the name, Jeshurin, Bukharti boy, I chose you. It's so good, it's so good, it's so good, it's so delicious. Mm. It all fits. It's so that's why I say it's all music. It's all music. If you this is all everything is music. But no, this all these sins of intentional unintentional, that's the one who goes into the wilderness. That's not the one that sacrificed to God. Led by the hand of a suitable man. Right. I love this because and then it goes on to say right. the goat shall bear upon itself all the iniquities of the right. uh, and, and go to the uninhabited land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. I, I can't help Tovia but think how would I do that as one who knows goats? How would that be done? Because it really does take a suitable person yeah, yeah, yeah. to be able to manage right, right, a goat right. it's, it's, and to take it out into the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to pick out ish iti could means a suitable person. The word et means a person who was technically designated. You know, it's a very mm. interesting thing. When the King James was translated, it was commissioned in 1607, and there was a, a number of committees, about 50 people that were involved in producing the 16, the 1611 King James, which really would not, it, it's Jacobian English, you wouldn't be able to read it. But what's interesting is, is there were no Jews in England at the time. Why? Because the Jews happened to be thrown out of England, had to be thrown out, because as it turns out, uh, Europeans had a thing for throwing Jews out of the country. 
but they actually had to get to Jews to get information of like how do they translate this, and they actually relied on the Radak, a very important commentary. They really didn't know how to deal with a lot of these words. So right, this man had to be physically have the kind of strength to be able to carry this mission out, to bring this goat, and to take it out into the wilderness, and really far away from the uh, from the camp. It had to be outside the camp. But again, this is not the one that sacrificed before God. Now, what's going to happen now uh, is we are now... Well, all right, I'm not going to do it. What we're going to... I'll just say this one point, and that is... We're being taught a lot about animals that are, are put to death for chatos, for this, for that. The Torah is going to be very careful to smack us in the head and say, don't you dare, don't I dare catch you using animals for just hunting sport where you're just killing them and not eating them or, mm. or and not bring them as an offering. That means we're getting so, this is called, in fact, the book of Leviticus is called Tyrus Kohanim. That's really the name of the book. It's the laws of the priestly laws. Incidentally, we're, we're going to be almost done with priestly laws very soon. Very shortly, as we move on Leviticus, we're going to get into, again, it's very Sinai-ish. I, I want to just give everybody a big hug again. Just like Exodus 20 is very lofty. Like this is very lofty. A cloud comes from above. We produce a cloud with incense from below. It's like, oh, you know, this is like, oh, this is, you know, the kissing moment between God and man. It's really very special. So what happens is you can become disconnected from from laws, tedious laws. And that's why, just like Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, very way up there, the mountain, the cloud, same language. Mm. What is Exodus 21 about? Right away, how to treat another person. Right away, how to behave yourself. People can think, oh, we're all lawfully of rituals. No, 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 no. Don't get into that. I, I kosher and I make 17 blessings over my chopsticks. No, 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 no. <laughs> but then I, I don't care about if I pay my employees on time. Or I don't care who I have a relationship with and who I sleep with. And I don't care if I live this lifestyle or that life. Like, it's a style. But anyways, like, it's a fashion statement. But anyways, no. They're all together. It's a very exactly parallel. Everything fits beautifully. Let's continue because I'm getting excited. Okay, so before we get into chapter 17, I'll just uh, highlight uh, from verse 29. It says, this shall be the statute Ah, here we have, now look, here we have. This will be a statute for Oilam. And, and the word chukah means it's a uh, commandment that we don't completely understand. Ah, there it is. Those mm. okay now we, we don't know why it's the seventh why it's the uh, the tenth day of the seventh month why not you know April third who knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right but continue but you shall afflict your souls now here's a topic that we have to stop and say what exactly does this mean Toby right. afflict your soul why why do we take this to mean fasting right so as it turns out the oral Torah tells us that this means five things including very prominently you can't eat onion kip but actually five forbidden actions uh number one you can't eat you cannot drink you cannot bathe anoint yourself and you cannot engage in marital relations on this day and or put uh um leather on your feet okay now this is this is totally in the talmud you won't find it in the torah anywhere now there had to be for all you Karaites out there, sorry, and it was Sadducees, just kidding. But there had to be a definitive 
meaning of what this means, how to define. Because, you know, the Shiite Muslims, interesting, they do it on the seventh day, of the, 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 on the tenth day of the seventh month. And they said they do it, as it says in the Quran, because the Jews did it, that they copied it. They actually slapped themselves in the back with, with metal whips. The Shias do this in Iran. But mm. they do that, and they do it because the Jews was a day of atonement. But you see, they don't have an oral Torah. The oral Torah says it means these five specific actions are forbidden. Now, how do you know there had to be an objective standard for what it means to afflict your soul? Because we're going to be told a little bit later on, not that far, that if you don't afflict your soul, you could be put to death for it. So it can't be some whatever you think it means, whatever you feel is afflicting, because then how is the death penalty then, how could you put the death for it if it's your interpretation? One other point is we see in Isaiah 58 clearly, now just so you know, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah lived roughly 600 years later. That means the mm -hmm. distance from Mount Sinai to Isaiah is roughly six centuries. Well, as it turns out, if you look at Isaiah 58, you'll see there that the Jews, the context is, God says to Isaiah, raise your voice like a trumpet and so on. But why? They're like keeping your fast on the on the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Whoa, where did that come from? That's oral Torah. So that means, and a missionary, one, I write about this in the book, uh, I said, here you have afflict your soul, means fasting. He said, it doesn't, it's not oral Torah, it says in Isaiah. I said, well, what did the Jews do for 600 years before the book of Isaiah was written? Did they fast or not? And he, he realized he was, it was checkmate. He said, well, they fasted, or else what is Isaiah talking about? Well, if they mm -hmm. did, on what basis during the time of Isaiah, prior to Isaiah, did they fast? The answer is it was an oral Torah. So that's clear. So these there are five forbidden actions uh, specific that th to think. One other custom I should mention, I, I know I'm going back, but this is so rich. How can I do it? Normally, the high priest wears what's called the Shimona Begodim, which means eight vestments, a lot of gold mm -hmm. involved in it. Mm -hmm. Not on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, when he goes in to the Tully Holies, he's wearing white garments. I know we passed it, but the idea is that in that is it, the, he's wearing white linen, a very shiny white thing, and that's why in a synagogue, we there is a very strong custom to wear a kittel for a number of reasons. A kittel is basically a white. Everybody wears white. In many synagogues, you'll notice they actually change the covering that over the ark, holy ark. Instead of blue, red, whatever nice that's taken down, they put a white one up. They put a white covering over the bima where the Torah is read over. People wear a white yarmulke and so on. That's where this mm -hmm. tradition comes from. They don't. Mm. The, uh, the 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 high priest didn't wear gold on this day in doing performing this action because there's a principle en kategenasa which means a prosecutor can be a defense attorney. And the idea was, look, the Jews had not that long ago committed the sin of having golden calf. Like, don't put, you know, don't walk around with the gold in there. Keep it all white. But also the white indicates, of course, purity and, and, and the removal of sin sure. and so on. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's the customs that are involved there. And the, or, the wearing a white kittle, which is a white long robe, that's a very, very strange, very strong custom, which is all over the world. Anywhere you go, mm -hmm. you'll find that. Uh, what I said to you about 
uh, the prohibition of eating, drinking, anointing, slash bathing yourself, wearing leather shoes, having intimate relation with your wife. That is that is oral Torah. That means a halacha It's not a custom. That's from God. And those those are the actions that are forbidden. And notice again in verse 21, here we are now told, here in, in excuse me, verse 29, you said, this is forever. Because this has nothing, this mm. is atonement no matter whether there's a temple or no temple. So now it's forever, not before. Mm. Okay. That's right. And that, that's emphasized throughout the, the remainder of the chapter. Uh, before I get to those parts, uh, and, and I want to get to Jason, just because we do have a lot of Karaites listening on this on this program, and good day to you guys, love you guys, and uh, just in their defense, they would also cite, I do believe, Tobias Psalm 35 verse 13 uh, and Ezra chapter 8 verse 21 in regards to uh, supporting the the, the uh, afflicting of the souls to mean fast. Yeah, but that, that so, creates a bigger problem for them. That means that they're not they're not ameliorating the problem. They're not addressing the problem. They're actually the problem stronger because what the Karaites believe that the written or Tanakh, not Torah, but Tanakh is all the Word of God. All Karaites believe that are supposed to believe that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if we find, let's say, the Book of Ezra, well, the Book of Ezra is very late. The Book of Ezra is, is now a thousand years after, roughly, almost a thousand years after the giving of Torah. Well, if Ezra is testifying that, in fact, it means fasting, then what did people do before Ezra? People weren't fasting. That means that is the pro- That's why they're in trouble. I, I, look, I, lo- I love you, Karaites, really, and, and, I, and I don't mean that. I'm joking. But what I'm saying is, I'm not, I don't want, we're not in a war with Karaites. That's done with. It's gone. But mm. Karaites are digging, you know, you know, like with Nixon, what got Nixon in trouble is the cover-up. What gets Karaites in trouble is the cover-up. When they do this, when they point to passages that are after the Torah, which make reference to oral Torah, then you have to ask the question, what happened between the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai and Ezra or Isaiah? The, 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 or the Psalms. Or Psalms. So, so the mm. book of Psalms is written how long ago? The book of Psalms is written, let's say, 2,900 years ago. The Torah is 3,325 3, years ago. So what did they do for those centuries between the Torah was given and King David? The answer has to be that they did fast. If they fasted, on what basis did they fast? That means there had to be an oral Torah or else people were going to King David. Let's say there was a law that you're supposed to pull your hair out of your head or smack your wife in the head every young kipper i mean <laughs> let's say someone would just come in and say well to afflict your soul you have to take a cat and smack yourself over the head so people would go what are you an idiot there's no such thing the reason psalms talks about it because the book of psalms presupposes that you know about this that means the book of psalms right is going but that is that is their point right that that right that is their point. That, but then what did people do before it that means the oral there must have been oral information prior to the book of psalms but subsequent to the giving of Torah mount sinai which which indicated that god doesn't want you to eat on your kipper it proves the point not diminishes or it's just the opposite this is an indictment against the Karite movement. It doesn't nourish this. It doesn't defend their position. It undermines their position. Because then, what are love people to hear, before? Love to hear from you guys in the comments, Jason. I just wanted to go over um, thirty-three and thirty-four quickly. And while we were, because we did bring up 
um, Yesha meaning upright, and we brought up um, the King James. And I thought it would be worth mentioning because I, I spoke to someone about this last week in um, just casual conversation. They they didn't know, so I thought maybe you know there's not as many people know. As, you know. So uh, uh, in the New Testament, um, I try not to use that phrase, but it keeps slipping out because of my tradition. I prefer the because you say New Testament, it instantly makes the old one old. Um, in the Christian texts. We've got um, the brother of Jesus, which the text tells us is James, but his name was actually Jacob, and it was changed. Oh. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. changed because King James wanted to be in the Bible. It's very simple. But he was in tradition, and there's actually there's evidence for James outside of um, there's evidence for James outside of the text, which we can't mm. the same can't be said for Jesus. But there we are. Um, and he was um, Yaakov, the upright, the straight. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of cool. Um, so on a side note, James is probably my favorite book of the New Testament. I'm pretty happy with most of what it says in James. Um, really? Mine is Revelation. I, I don't know. I don't really? get it. <laughs> I like Revelation. I like that synagogue of Satan stuff. I like get stoned when I hear that. That's like such a high for me. I just read that letter to Smyrna in Philadelphia. I love Revelations 2, 8, and 9. I really think you should reconsider that. You don't have any taste in, in New Testament literature. I mean, it's of course doesn't touch Mein Kampf. That's like over the top. But after, after the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, uh, Revelation hits it. And then maybe the book of James. Go ahead. Right, so, yeah, so 33 and 34, there's... Again, we've got to a point where um, we'll have, I mean, I was there. I mean, it sounds like I'm kind of being persecuting of of, um, Christian theology, but I I was that person one time. And when someone said atonement for me, I I completely thought I understood what that word meant. Um, Because, you know, Jesus died on the cross and he's an atonement for my sins. That's what I thought. Um, And when we read... 34, and thus shall be an everlasting statute, that's the first thing to remember, everlasting statute, to make an atonement for the children of Israel, because all of their for all of their sins once a year, that's fine, you know, we get that, because that works within the context of what you're told in the church, but if we go back one verse, and it says, and he shall make an atonement for the most holy place, and he shall make an atonement for the tent of meeting, and for the altars, Tobias spoke about earlier, that can't work, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't slay a person on a, on a stake, um, so a building is atoned for that just doesn't work. So it's worth you know, when you go through these passages, um, take them one line at a time and and try to try to measure up what the text says against what you think the text means. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if it doesn't work, then then one of you is wrong. Either the text is wrong, or your understanding of what the text is supposed to say is wrong. And I just thought there's a really it's really concise there. Thirty three and thirty four. Two examples of the same thing, only one of them works within Christian theology. Yeah. I, I, I want to yeah. italicize and take over the show and kick everyone else off. I'm joking. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, just one point to emphasize with you, especially here in Leviticus, where unless you're really carefully parsing through the passages, you've got this just run. You see, I, I've taken it apart, but unless you can like just run and atonement, bulls, ghosts, blood, sprinkle, spritzing, like it just becomes, everything just gets conflated. Mm-hmm. And it's it, these are the passages where Jason's admonishment is particularly important. When you find yourself reading, I mean, when you find yourself reading scripture and then you're going, what did I just read? Okay, stop. 
<laughs> go over it with very very carefully mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing here i i'm actually i am actually skipping over tons of stuff because i want to highlight what everyone misses i i i, I the, we we could talk about uh, in fact well torah pearls what i try i do Jason, he needs help, but I'm talking about for me. My <laughs> my job, really, no, no, what I try to do really is to in, in choose those things which I think people might miss, rather than those things that are, you know, to avoid the lullaby effect. Well, well, you know, I mean, this. Speaking of which, uh, Tobia, we could read through in the entire uh, Leviticus chapter 17, but fortunately for us. In the book of Hebrews, it sums it all up in one verse, and that, of course, oh, is Hebrews, my Hebrews chapter favorite. nine, verse twenty-two. It yes. says, "And uh, and according to uh, the the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without yes. the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins." Yeah, it's so nice. You know, I love. I don't know what you like to do in your spare time, but for me, when I just want to chill out, I just put on <laughs> a little Wagner in the background and read the book of Hebrews, and I'm set. Uh, <laughs> Or, or uh, you know, just, uh, you know, so that, that's, well, that's just me. I'm not quite... saying it's everybody, <laughs> but just to me, like, you know, Hebrews and Wagner, it, like, goes together. Right? So, <laughs> and, 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 like, hand in a glove. But when, when that verse is often quoted by Christians, it's oft, often accompanied by Leviticus chapter 17, verse yes. Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it okay. is the blood that makes atonement for the souls. So stop, everybody. Everybody stop. And if you're driving, pull over to the side. Listen carefully. The word begins with therefore. In Hebrew, it's a conjunctive word. means key. Now, let me just tell you this, my holy brothers and sisters. And if you're a Karite, please don't don't blow up my house. I didn't mean anything. It's like now I have the Karites going after me. Like everyone's going to block me now on Facebook, all the Karites. Anyways, don't block me. I'm just, just you know. All right. If, if a text, any word, it, you could be really reading a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, Lahavdil. If a, if a sentence begins with because, it is explaining the previous verse. Now, as it turns out, try this out with any Christian, well-meaning, but in fact, they are, as John o said, they're quoting Hebrews 9.22. So they don't know the verse before. But if it's if a sentence says, and, and the reason for this is, that's what key means. The reason for this, this is why, because the, so well, well what is why? I mean, that's what no one gets. Like, what is what? And do a test on this. Go to any Assemblies of God church, Southern Baptist church. I'm not kidding. I'm not I'm kidding. I'm not trying to tell everyone to go to church. You go because you go, please, you know this sentence by heart. What does it say before? They have no clue. Now, the reason they have no clue is not they're evil. It's because they're bad people. I'm joking. The reason <laughs> they don't know it is because they're not taught it. And the pastor's not necessarily a bad guy. He was never taught. We are prohibited to drink blood under any circumstances. Eating blood, drinking blood is like eating on Yom Kippur. It's like eating bread on Passover. It's like sleeping with a menstruous woman. It's a great sin. The Torah is not saying that only blood atones for sin. The Torah is saying this, that of all the rituals that go on during any type of sacrifice for sin, any kind, 
It is the blood part that makes the atonement for sin. Let's give an example, very important. We have semicha. We talked about it earlier. That means the leaning of the hands. That is a part of the sacrificial system. It's in the carbon chatas, sin offering Leviticus 4, leaning in hands. Now, let me ask a question. What happens if a sacrifice is, is brought as a whole series of rituals, but you make a mistake. One thing doesn't go right. Does it invalidate the whole sacrifice? Well, as it turns out, if it has to do with leaning or other things, no, the sacrifice still stands. But if you uh, if you mess up the what's called the avodas hadam, which means the part that relates to the blood, then the sacrifice doesn't work. So it is the blood part that makes the atonement. It doesn't mean you can't have an atonement without the shedding of blood. That's New Testament. That's some Hebrew stuff. Hebrews stuff. Not in as in Hebrews as in Jewish, but mm-hmm. Hebrews as in a book that is for over a thousand years ascribed to Paul. So that's what's happening. The text is not saying that you can't have an atonement without the shedding of blood. You won't find that anywhere in the Jewish Bible. And in fact, it's not true. The people of Nineveh, Jonah 3.10, their sins mm. were forgiven. Wow. No blood. They turned away from their sin, Jonah 3.10. Uh, David was forgiven. How? He, he said, I have sinned before the Lord. That's what... So read it in context. Because, okay, it's a song by the Beatles, but it also is a conjunct, a conjunction. It means I'm connecting it to the previous verse. I'm explaining why you're not allowed to eat blood. Okay, now we can continue. Jason, Jason, there's a curious thing in verse 7. What have you got? Yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of reiterate where I was earlier with Azazel not being uh, the name of a demon um, goat god. Um, mm. Uh, it says, and they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices unto the satires, the satyrs, um, after whom they go astray. It's interesting. I've got, I've got. Uh, they shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons. I've got in the New King James. Mm. Um, it's definitely satires, literally goats. Yeah. I think in Hebrew. But what's interesting, interesting. is that it's, it's it's not past tense. After whom they go astray. So I think that there are. I mean. We see that with uh, with, um, with throughout the Tanakh anyway. There's always a portion of Israel who fails in some way, and they have to be called back. That's why we have the prophets in the first place. And I think in this instance, there were people who maybe carried on um, some of the ideas um, and theology that they had um, in Egypt. And uh, they were saying here that this absolutely can't happen. Um, and this should be a statute for them throughout the generations. And I just want to carry on because it's quite good. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or the strangers, that, and this has been a, a bit of a personal, um, I don't want to say the word crusade, uh, it's been a, person, a bit of a personal um, thing for me lately, that sojourn among them, that offer a burnt offering or sacrifice, and mm. bring it, it not to the door of the tent of meeting, that man should be cut off from his people. And I wanted... Um, to have um, Toby's input on that because it it's is it saying there that if you offer up a, a burnt offering for the reasons that this this other offering is made, no, 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 that you shouldn't oh, no, do that. No, no, no. So, so there's two separate things. So first, you have to understand that once we're talking about sacrifices, the Torah is going to be all over warning that you better do this right, and we're going to get more of that here. So Lasirim does mean the demons. The derivative of that word, there are actually two different words where that would derive from. The word Sa'ara means a storm because 
they created fear in people. You know, remember when you were a kid and there was a thunderstorm and you jumped at your mother's bed, mommy, you know, it's like the thunder thing. Well, that's what the word, that's what the word sa'ara means. It means a storm because people would get. The other thing is demons also are a, the sa'ara is also the name that was used for Asav. He was a hairy person and therefore it became connected with demons. That's the source. But what we have in view here in the following verses, what happens a person who goes? And he's going to go and just bring killing animals. And bring, he's, he, but he's not, you know, he's not using, he's not bringing it to God. He's, a, he's an animal killer. This is very big. So therefore, the Torah is going to say, in fact, it's using the term, if you notice, spilling blood. We're going to see that right here. The Torah is saying it's like you're almost killing a human being. In fact, hunting is forbidden. Forbidden to go hunt for not eating. You just go and deer is going and you go blow its head off. That's a very, and that's the prohibition. It's forbidden. The, the people were given permission to kill animals after the, the flood, but under certain circumstances. And that is for food, for clothing, for a sacrifice, but not just going and spilling blood. If you do that, you're going to be cut off. And that's the prohibition here. If you're going to, if you're going to not bring it to the, look at the text in, in verse, in the verse nine. El Pesach Oyal Moyed Loyivienu and La Soisilashem, and he does not bring it to the tent. So he's killing an animal, he's not eating it, he's not using it, he's just going around shooting up animals. That's a very mm. big sin. And Jews are, this is a very big no no. You never can find an Orthodox Jew that goes and with a rifle. And I, I really, I, I mean, you talk about your crusade. I think that these guys who go around hunting and they're not mm. eating animal, you know, I think I think it's disgusting to do. They take mm. a poor animal; mm. it could be have babies that has to feed. What, what do you give a right get get a right to go take away mm. life? What do you do? Mm. I, th- I mean, to me, th- these are the lowest of the low mm. are people. Who, totally if agree. you want to hunt, if if you're Jewish, so you have to you have to catch an animal and slaughter properly and eat it. You know, and it has mm-hmm. to be everything has to be done properly. It's fine. But you go, I, you know, they have these TV shows. It's not a sport, right? It's not a sport. A sport. You know, what a, you know what this is? This is a bunch of people that got to prove them men. I'm sorry, but that's what I think. Because I, you know, sometimes, you know, like I'm staying in a hotel. I don't own a TV. But, you know, sometimes whatever. And they have these, like, hunting shows on where these guys stand there with their, like, bazookas in their hand. Mm. And is waiting for a poor deer that camouflage, you know, downwind, upwind. And I'm watching this in horror. And then they this this little deer goes by. They shoot it, and they stand there with their foot over the deer, like mm. they're mighty, like that. Why don't you? I hate that. I hate that so yeah, much. Yeah. Why don't you get into a cage with a lion and get into a fist fight? I want to see how good you deal with. You know, this is this 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 false. It's so dirty. It's so revolting. Mm. I mean, when I see that, I'm going, what are you? Like, that? that's how you have to feel strong that you can go. You're like the ISIS guys who walk around, like, you know, you know, you walk, I, I'm sorry, but it is to me that way. You know, the ISIS guys, they wear these black uniforms and they are actually like, they, they look very manly. 
they like that. And they march these poor people, whatever it is, in orange suits, and they walk. It's the same deal. They want to feel really manly, and they're pointing Mm. their knife at the camera. That's what these hunters are doing. It's disgusting. And the Torah says it's an abomination. And what the Torah is saying is if you do, if you engage in those kinds of acts, what you are essentially doing is you're violating that, that early covenant because I did not give you permission. The Talmud goes into this in very great depth. You know, the Talmud says that if you want to move into a city, you should see the way they treat animals. And if they treat animals cruelly, you should know the people are cruel. Uh, mm. It's a very interesting thing that, uh, that, uh, that a person, you know, people feel that they're strong somehow. This is a, a what happens is if you're not using animals for the reasons they were prescribed, which you are given permission to use it, you're shedding blood. You're a killer, and Mm -hmm. we consider it as murder, and you're going to be cut off for doing that. That's how serious that sin is, of going Mm -hmm. around killing animals. If you're going to eat it, if you're going to use its hide to keep you warm, that's Hashem made it for that. It's fine. But if you just go kill an animal as for just killing a trophy, that's a sin. Yeah, there's something very wrong with that. I'm glad you brought that up. We're running out of time. We have to jump. We've still got uh, chapter 18 to get through. And these are the laws of sexual morality. And uh, and it begins by saying that, uh, well, verse 4, you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. I, I love that verse. Yes. Uh, verse 4 and 5. Is there anything we want to highlight? I mean, really, I, I mean, this I, I, is all- There's just some pieces I know people will miss here. This is very interesting. So there's a prohibition here in the beginning that says, you should not go in the ways, I don't know how they translate it's in verse 3, do not imitate the practices of the nations. Mm. In fact, we find this in, in the Bible a number of times. Don't imitate the ways of the nations of the world. Don't, but it's so, okay, okay, okay. This is big, and I know people don't see this because they're not doing the Hebrew. So it's very interesting. Whenever it says, I want to read this again, it says, Loisasu, don't, don't imitate but the question is, what does this mean? Like, w- am I not allowed to do any c- custom that is traditional to my country? So this is a very interesting thing. This is, ooh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Loisasu bechukaisehem. What does that mean? Don't do their chukim. What did I tell you earlier what a chok is? It's a certain type of commandment. What kind of a commandment is? is it? It's a commandment where there is no apparent explanation for it. Remember, there's mishpatim, like they're called judgments usually. I don't know, the King James does it. But then you have the laws that there is no obvious reason for it. It's just some arbitrary, it's, it's a law that we don't know the reason, but we observe it because Hashem commands us. Notice what the Torah uses when it says, don't do what the, what the nations do. It says, Loisasu, don't do the chukim, meaning. Okay, so I've got, I've got to translate it as, uh, uh, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. Right. Uh-huh. But the word there is chok. What, what does that mean? Why is it choosing that word? Because, of course, we're supposed to honor the laws of, of the country that we live in that make sense, that are reasonable. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're living in a society that says, we have this law that you don't walk under a ladder because it brings you bad luck, or if a black cat passes, you have to, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what, that is forbidden. That means if there are these cu- local customs that have nothing to do with the Torah, uh, if, you, if a black cat passes, that's right. It's a, it is, this is the prohibition of following superstitious, which means that do not make sense. There are laws in America. In fact, it is It's forbidden to break the law of the, co- the country that you live in. In fact, Jeremiah says we have to bless the country we live in. But don't copy their chukim, which means things that don't make sense, but they're part of their superstitions. This is the mm. prohibition of engaging in superstitions that are indigenous to the local nations. That's forbidden. That's what's going on here. That's forbidden, Jason. So yeah, m- most of this most of this um, chapter is about. Um, prohibitions against incest in all of its many forms and i don't think they've left any stone unturned there's uh, but there's there's two things i want to bring up real quick the first one is there's an exception to one of these rules and that's that a brother can sleep with his brother's wife if his brother has died and he didn't mm-hmm. leave any children so i think that's in deuteronomy 25 somewhere and um that, that can happen if she if he did if he left without i think they say issue if he left without um a child then um, the remaining brother right the the remaining brother can step in and I mean there's some practical elements of that as well you know Um, that means that she'll be looked after in her old age and um, uh, if um, she has a son then there's um, a passing on of of all the kind of worldly um, goods and things right Right, mm-hmm. and this is in um, fact the prohibition of Yehuda's sons who got killed that they didn't want to the young one didn't want to pass on his brother's name mm-hmm um, and the other one is a bit more um, kind of um, ethereal, and uh, it's something that comes up occasionally. We often see in, uh, again, I keep kind of going back to uh, Christianity, but I've had that kind of week. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a concept that um, God is married to, um, it's in, in, Christ, in uh, Christian theology, God is married to Israel, and Israel is the church. And ah, so that, we did a program on this, didn't we? Uh, and uh, I was talking to someone. I'll let you continue in just a minute, Jason, but I was talking to somebody about this just this week as well. And so I floated that again on Facebook. Uh, can divorced Israel return to God? Uh, Toby, you may remember. I, it might have even been a year ago. Jason. So uh, there's the concept that um, God divorced Israel. And because of the Torah, and that's the only reason that I can tie this in, because the original argument comes from this. Because of the Torah, a Christian will say, well, God can't remarry Israel because he's sent her away. And, uh, so the, the, the argument is that God has to die and come back in the form of somebody else, namely the son. But we read here, and it turns up somewhere else as well, that the son cannot marry his father's bride. He can't wed his father's bride, and he can't bed his father's bride. And you could argue that they don't get married. But I think biblically it's fair to say that if you went into the tent with a female... Um, that you know that constitutes a biblical marriage. This is um, a clear. <laughs> this whole passage is all about mixed up relationships. And so, for me, and I've, I've heard even bigger. Um, Jim Staley's church has does this every year. It's a big. Um, oh, I love lecture. I love it when I love it when he does this. This is my favorite part. I'm joking. <laughs> I never. <laughs> you say Jim Staley like you're talking about Babe Ruth. No one ever heard of this. I'm kidding. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jason. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jim Staley. Jason. So his his church does this every year, and that's that's his ex, ex, um his explanation of 
why Jesus had to come back from the dead. It's not even about mm. sin so much for him. This is his thing. He has to come back because God needed to come back in a different form so he could remarry the bride that he divorced. But here we it's, see it's, that it's physically... If you're going to use the Torah for that reason, it, you can't, because here is a clear statute that says, a son cannot marry his father's bride. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30, a man shall not take his father's wife, nor uncover his father's bed. Tobia. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just say this, in Jewish law, I, well, you, I, I just, this is a, a point, we we, uh, we we can't say marry because actually in Jewish law you can't a man cannot marry his sister. It, so l- let's say theoretically, just so you understand Jewish law, there is no kedushin, there is no sanctification, and therefore theoretically, let's say uh, uh, a man marries his, he goes through the wedding ritual of marrying his father's wife, as an example, whatever, his father's dies, whatever. The, he doesn't need a divorce to end the relationship. He just walks away, meaning they have to get apart. There is no caducian. There is no marriage. Okay. So it, it wraps, we're going to have to wrap this up, but it wraps it up so beautifully from verse 24. It says, do not defile yourselves. Uh, and, 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 you know, people, make sure you read verse 18, but this is what it says. Do not defile yourself with any of these things, for by these the nations defiled, which I am casting out before you, for the land was def- is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. This is very, it. very big. This is one big, this really does require, I'll, I'll try to do 100 seconds. The, mm-hmm. the land of Israel is a place that will spit you out if you if you pull this. I've got vomits. Thing. It says, and and the land vomits out its inhabitants. Yeah. If you notice, I want to bring you back, John. This is just huge, humongous. I I shake when I see the gate. I'll never forget this. I was walking out of Jaffa Gate, and I walked out of Jaffa Gate, and walked up towards the uh the the Sidel Hotel, walk up that street, mm. and. As I'm crossing that big straight King George, that humongous intersection, mm. we have the Citadel, and then up the street, you have further the King David Hotel. We'll be there on tour. And there's this big parade, and everyone's really happy. And then I notice there's a guy walking around in lavender underwear, and I'm going, uh-oh. And, and they're doing that, like, right in Jerusalem, right next to this. And I literally look up at him, and I said, Lord, please don't look upon this. This is, the key is, if I want you to notice this, that when God tells Abraham that your children are going to come to the land of Israel, he says, but they can't go now. Why? Because the sins of the Amorites have not yet been filled up. Which means the land of Israel cannot tolerate this kind of behavior. Outside of Israel, it's still forbidden. But in Israel, the land will spit you out. And in fact, what Hashem says to Abraham is, in fact, uh, the the people who are there now, they haven't quite pushed it over the edge. But the land will not tolerate this kind of iniquity. Mm-hmm. And again, we're warned about these. are called chukah because not necessarily is it always understood why. But I, I want to share one thing with you, which I, I said on another show, just for a point. You know, you know, when the Jews received the Ten Commandments, or we got these commandments... It's, you know, I, I hear like the atheists going, oh, like we wouldn't know without it. No, it's just the opposite. The Jews, when they received the Ten Commandments, they didn't go, really? Can't steal? What? You, that's a weird one. You know, what? I can't sleep with my sister? That's a knee slapper. Uh, no, that means it all made sense to us. If a person, like a, a girl, if you take a girl, a girl is normally modest. 
A girl doesn't walk around undressed. A girl normally puts her clothes on. And if a girl's undressed, she right away screams, get out, right? But you have girls that unfortunately become strippers and so on. Well, how did that happen? So eventually, if you commit a sin enough times, or you do something that's unnatural enough times, you become acclimated to it, and then it becomes, it doesn't, you don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So verse 30 finishes by saying, Therefore you shall keep my ordinances, so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which you were, um, which were committed before you, and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. And that does end our Torah portion. Jason, any parting thoughts? Um, just to remind the listeners that we have the option to be holy just as our Creator is holy. And um, that requires our um, input and um, our hearts and our minds. And, but we can do it if we choose to. Jason of spiritualbabies.net. Thank you, my friend. Rabbi Tobia Singer of outreachjudaism.org, where you can get a copy of Let's Get Biblical. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah volumes one and two? And as you mentioned a little earlier on, uh, uh, Tobia, we will be going to the land. We are going on tour yourself, Jason, and myself. And there are nine seats left on the bus. So if you're thinking about coming, leave a deposit as soon yeah. as you can to secure it because it's not, there's not many uh, places left. We would love to see you there. Uh, simply go to truthtoyou.org and follow the links and you'll be able to secure, secure your place on the tour, the Tanakh Tour of Israel, November this year. Really looking forward to that. So in the meantime, dear listeners, be blessed, be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom. Shalom.